G'day guys, Luke McElroy from Mets Performance Consulting. Welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast, joined today by Nick J. Koskis. Uh, got a question come through your Instagram, Nick. Do you want to run through that? Yes, we had a great question um, from a regular regular Mets athlete in Brent who sent through an interesting one around periodization. So he, he posed the question that um, if we had a four-week cycle, is it is a 70.3 usually triathlete, like longer course triathlete, but he posed the question if we, if we had a four-week block, so basically like normal circumstance would be three weeks building, one week down, but he said in a four-week block, would it make any sense to manipulate how many swim, bike and run to emphasize a particular one. So the example I'll give here is in week one, he said, um, let's say you do two swims, three bike and four runs, but then in, which is obviously emphasizing a bit more of the run focus, but then in week two, it almost flips. The swim goes to three, the bike goes up by one to four, but then the runs drop back to one or two. So really his question is like, does that make much sense in terms of balancing training load overall, um, trying to keep load a bit consistent week to week, which we might touch on in terms of a bit of monotony and, and that as well. But but also, does it allow you to actually see a bit of additional progressive overload in a particular sport? So what are your initial thoughts in terms of week to week changing up the schedule that much and having like a weekly emphasis of a particular sport, particularly for multi-sport in terms of triathlon, obviously? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a... I, I, I mean, the short answer is... is I, I don't think it's that beneficial in the short term. Um, I think it's mostly beneficial to do a proper block if that's whether that's four weeks or even if that's 12 weeks, depending on what it is and having a more running focus or more swimming focus or more cycling focus, just because peripheral adaptations are very specific. So if you want to get good at running, you've got to run and cycling, you've got to cycle, so on and so forth. You get really good cross-training benefit, obviously, by doing anything. But if you want those the, the, the muscular responses, the peripheral responses, or uh, chronic adaptations, then you want to be fairly specific to it. So by doing just one week of something more focused and switching it the next week, um, it, it will definitely have a, a, a progressive overload stimulus. Um, but I think it would be more useful to focus for a, a, a bit more of a prolonged period of time, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, than just doing one week. But that being said... Um, I think, how can I use that myself? Like at the moment, I can't run more than sort of twice a week or my ankle blows up just because I've got a couple of tendonitis issues with, with it. Um, so I could potentially use it as a, a way to um, do three. I, I, could, I could overload and really strain the body by doing three runs in one week, but then I do one run or even zero runs the next week to properly recover from it. So I think from that perspective, it works from a load management perspective, particularly those that maybe don't put up with running load very well. It could be good um, in terms of, of physiological benefit. If you're, you know, you're not under any injury clouds or anything, um, I'm not saying it's not useful. I'm saying it could be optimized by doing a four week or an eight week or a 12 week focus. And that's just going to come into, it's just periodization around your A races really. Like if you've got a lot of people, I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, Nick, but we've got Melbourne marathon coming up, Sandy point half, um, you know, and this year is basically going to be, it might be a 2XU if, if we're lucky, but it's basically running for a lot of people. And then we're looking at everyone's focusing towards Geelong or Melbourne or Shepparton um, 70.3 distance, so February, March. So right now it would make sense to somebody who's doing, say, Melbourne Marathon and also backing it up with the February, March, April, you know, tri-season with all those races, you know, you have a more running focus because that's going to give you more specific running adaptations now. Um, that's not to exclude the rest, but maybe it's three runs, one ride, one swim, whatever it is. Um, and then once that's finished, so after you get through November, December, then you you go back to a more traditional style, you know, of, of fairly even split. So uh, my initial thoughts are uh, 
beneficial, but can be optimized by, by really focusing for more than just one week, um, looking at four, eight, 12 weeks, unless you're doing it as a way to manage load due to maybe like a not, not putting up with your running load very well due to injuries and things like that. Yeah, I think, I think that point of it in terms of many, if you're a triathlete and you weren't changing too much of the what the swim and bike was doing, like that was staying relatively consistent at two to three sessions a week across across a block, and but it was the run that was a bit more fluctuating, like you said, to, to manage a bit of return to run or or just handle some training load a little bit better across your, your bigger cycles. If we're looking not just a week to week, we're looking at 12-week 12, 12 block or an eight-week block. Um, but I think the only thing you, you just have to be careful of is, is if you do chop and change too much, I think like the example we gave was a bit of the extreme end of the spectrum. And it probably is something that you, it's the obvious one that you wouldn't do is week one, go out for four runs and then immediately the next week drop down to one or no, no running. And then the next week come back and have four runs. I think that's where you've got to be a bit careful um, how volatile that can be um, in, in terms of spiking particularly running training load, giving it, given it's going to be the impact aspect as well. Um, that's going to be highest risk of injury going from zero to hundred real quick and then coming back down to nothing and then, and then going back up. If it's a little bit more progressive, like if it was something like you, you normally do th- three runs in the week and then you might, you, you, you're like, oh, I'm struggling to handle it. So I'll drop down do a couple of one to twos and then slowly build it back up. And, and it's a little bit more progressive. I think that probably works. You just want to, be mindful a bit of that that volatility of too too much in and then taking it all out because for a lot of people who know it's like the first part of your training when you get all really excited and you jump back in you smash out four to five runs in the week you like you end up being really really sore and it's it's your highest risk of injury so that's something i'd be careful of um in terms of this structure but if you could get that balance right i agree you can you can manipulate that training load reasonably well um to avoid uh, avoid some of that breaking down just as a result of too much um all the time yeah. And one thing I do like though is, is the variety and just the inbuilt variety week to week. It's always a little bit different rather than, you know, Tuesday and Thursday, my track sets, we've got my long ride on the Saturday, long run on the Sunday, and you're doing that week in, week out. Do you want to touch on what monotony and strain is and then how mixing it up might be good or might be bad? Yeah. So monotony, like the the name suggests, is is basically it's, it keeps the training load the same. So we're looking at, we're looking across the week, um, what is the what is the variation in in training load really? So I tend to look at it, particularly when we've got something like triathlon. It's it's a little bit more complex because you're going to be most circumstances you're going to be doing two sessions a day. You're going to have a run and a swim, or you're going to have a bike and a run, or something going on. So we're looking at what what is that training load accumulated really across each of those individual sessions added up, and then how does that vary between Monday to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? When when we what we don't want fundamentally where we put ourselves at the, the most risk of injury is having high monotony which basically means that if you have monday where it's uh, like let, you, you can pick what your training load is whether you want to measure in tss or arbitrary units whatever but if you have very similar training load on monday as is tuesday as is wednesday and thursday friday every day is kind of similar in terms of the total accumulated load that that's gonna that's gonna lead to a very difficult stimulus to I guess, recover from it's, it's the most difficult because the body's just under the, the same stress the entire time. And it's just always under the pump. Um, but if we have a bit more varied, uh, varied training load across the week. So if Monday is a little bit more of an intensity focused day, a bit shorter volume, but then the next day, Tuesday is a little bit more volume focused, less so on the, the higher intensity stuff. 
where we get a bit more variation in how that load is accumulated, that's where the body actually tends to respond to it better. And you tend to find in terms of this flows into periodization as well. You, you have a look at, well, what do, what do the really elite of the elite do in terms of their training? Typically they don't necessarily follow things like block periodization, which we tend to talk about a lot because it works really well for, for amateur and sub elite athletes who can focus on a particular um maybe it's VO2 for a period of time and then they move to the next one. The elites tend to fluctuate their training a bit more and they can get away with that because they need that extra, even further variation day to day um, to, to tap into that extra one or 2% gain um, that they can get. So we're, we're really just trying to avoid basically doing the same, the same thing. As much as the sessions might not be exactly the same, you might have a swim and bike on a Monday and a run and uh, a, a run and a gym session on a Tuesday. If you've got a, accumulated similar training load um, day in day out that's going to be where it's going to get really difficult to recover from um, so not to say you have to have complete days off and things like that or very very light days but having almost i almost think of it as this like undulating sort of wave pattern there's days in the there's days during the week that we know we're going to be a bit lower a little bit easier for the body to tolerate and then there's days that are a little bit harder but we we move those and we space those those harder days away from each other in this first with the easier ones so we have that good variation um, yeah, because ultimately the body likes to respond to it. So, so really simply, when you talk about monotony, let's just let's just say intensity is the same. We're just doing zone two, just to make it really simple. You don't go out and do two hours Monday, two hours Tuesday, two hours Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You do three hours Monday, rest Tuesday, for example, one hour on the Wednesday, another four hours on the next day, and another rest day, etc. You're mixing it up to allow for a better stimulus on the hard days, and that could be whether that's longer or whether that's a higher intensity but then mixing up with periods of lower intensity or a rest day, active recovery, et cetera, to allow the body to, to recover from it. So you'll get more adaptation and, and better recovery by going hard, going easy, mixing it up rather than just doing the same stimulus every day, which might not be super fatiguing like it is, but the, the, like the accumulative um, sessions day after day after day is fatiguing and you're not giving the body a break at any stage. Yeah. Probably. And probably the other, the other big one to add on to that and, and, so I, I didn't mention that last little bit was the strain piece is then looking at, well, what is the, the week to week look like? So accumulate, uh, having a look at, all right, how variables the training is one thing. If we look at a single week and obviously optimizing each week is going to be beneficial to the overall plan. But if we then look at all right, week one versus week two week versus week three, uh, as I'm sure, hopefully people listening sort of understand, it's like you can't just go up and up and up forever. We can't just keep increasing total weekly load um, in just a continuous pattern until we hit our, our race state. We have to have periods where we reduce that because to the same token, if we if we keep high strain, which is just high weekly accumulated load, and we back that up again and again and again, at some point, the body's just going to go, no, nah, I, I just can't do it anymore. It's going to start to break down. Um, so, so that's the other one I, I sort of think of in terms of the, the example we're given before where we're manipulating, um, manipulating number of sessions we're removing some from say the run, but that then it's added onto the, onto the bike or the swim that week. The only concern that I have with that is do we end up with say three weeks in a row with very similar total training load, which from a progressive overload perspective might, might be not quite what we're hitting if we're trying to accumulate some further load and it's early on. Um, if you, if you're already, if you may be in a bit more of a maintenance phase or the middle part, you don't really want to build too much more volume might be a bit different, but it's then going to be very difficult to, again, difficult to recover if we're doing the same training load again and again and again and again and again, week in, week out. So that those two those two kind of go hand in hand in terms of monotony and strain. But 
I think it's, yeah, it's important to have that, that variation, which maybe manipulating the, the number of sessions that you're doing in each sport could provide. But I think it's, it's more of a, it's more understanding the balance between intensity and, and volume for those um, and, and the training load aspect rather than just looking at number of sessions. I think that's probably a bit too simplistic um, to just position some of these principles in, um, in that sort of factor. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's move on to, to periodization and chat a bit more about that. So, I mean, our, our go-to for most people is a three up one down cycle or a two up one down. Um, that said, there are lots of, lots of different ways that you can periodize a, a training program. Um, do you want to go through a couple and, and I guess maybe some context, you've got a lot of people that, you know, maybe they're a teacher and they get a two week holiday, um, you know, four, three times a year and they might be able to really use that. They want to train more. They want to use that two week block, to, to get as much benefit as possible because they've got a race coming up in six or eight or 12 weeks. Um, we have people that go to training camps at a certain type of the top time of the year, and they might have a full week off work and they just go and train all day, every day. Um, so I, I guess that gives you some context as to where I'm going. What are some other than the traditional two up, one down, three up, one down, et cetera. What are some other um, periodization methods that people could use if maybe time was not important? They've got unlimited time to train, et cetera. Yeah. So I think for, for the most part that, the, the traditional stuff is is going to work for majority of the time. I mean, consistency. It's safer. Is, it's safer. Yeah. Correct. The consistency in any plan is always going to win over just trying a, a bunch of different things and being a bit more random. So you got to have a bit. You got to have some sort of strategy from the out, outset of this is how I'm going to get from where I am now to six months time when I'm racing, uh, for example. So the the three up one down or the two up one down, for the most part, is pretty good. But like you said, if you've got this period where it's all right, I all of a sudden have, or I know upcoming, I'm going to have a particular two week block or a, a week block where I might be able to go and train a bit more than normal. This is where we can get into what we call functional overreaching, which most people would actually know that as a much simpler name, which is called training camp. Um, go and deliberately, strategically input significantly more training load, um, but you have to balance it with the appropriate recovery. So the, that's, the, that's the big, I guess, must have if you are going to go do this. It's, it's fine to go and plan in and go, okay, I've done a bit of a block here. I've had a deload, maybe a deload week leading in or, or I'm going to keep pushing instead of three up, one down. I might go four up, one down. Um, I've used that for a, for a number of athletes before and used that last week as a bit of an overreaching week. It just stretches a bit, like stretches the boundaries a little bit, pushes you pretty hard. But if you don't have the adequate recovery, that's where you very quickly tip over. It's, there's a, basically a continuum of, of sort of overtraining, overreaching and alike. But if you don't have the adequate recovery post this, post a training camp or, or post that extra week you've added on to your normal cycle, um, that's where it, instead of functional overreaching, it very quickly becomes non-functional overreaching, which is a, is a slippery slope to things like burnout and overtraining. So um, that can be really effective because it, it's, it's, really I just supercharging the, the fatigue stimulus, which is, again, if you balance it with the recovery, is going to allow you to um, potentially see some additional adaptation happen. Um, it's not something you necessarily want to be using all the time because it is such a significant increase in training load. We're sort of talking, if you, for most people who might be familiar with training camps where you are training day in, day out, and you basically almost, it's almost like for amateurs, it's like becoming a pro for a week. Or that's all you do. That's all you think about. Um, can be really useful, but yeah, you got to time them, time them well in, in your run leading into an event. Um, and, and you got to make sure that recovery on the back end is, 
uh, is taken care of. Because without that, if particularly I see it happen where you you have people go into a training camp and then they come back and they just try and slot back into a normal training week the week after. And again, it that just that just compounds the fatigue even further. And we all we get there is just a decrement to to performance. The, you're just constantly under fatigue and it's very difficult to then rebound back out. Yeah, yeah. And people need to remember as well that it's it's not necessarily just how you feel. Um, there's like the, I remember reading somewhere that like the, some of the bone stress related to training and like the ligament damage and things like that, it's, like, it's, it's about a three-week delay. So sometimes you don't know that you've overloaded the body until it's almost too late. Like, oh, I feel fine. I'm not sick. I feel good. But then three weeks later, you're like, oh, hang on. That accumulated load really plays a part in the body. Um, I think uh, I'm trying to remember rough numbers, but the, the obviously the, the traditional way is you know progress two to ten percent each week for the first three to four weeks and come down by about twenty five percent. But you can almost flip that on the head when we talk about doing a um, a training camp, and it's it's something you probably do more than thirty percent above your baseline to be honest. But I remember reading somewhere it's thirty percent above, like go up thirty percent for week one, so that's your training camp week. But then. After that, you need to go down that 30%, so back to baseline, and then even reduce it the next two. So down 10, down 10. So it's like really hard stimulus, and then it's properly and it's back to baseline for the second week, and then actually reducing load the next two weeks to allow for recovery. Um, I think I'm other, just jumping in yep. on that, I think probably a good example, like a practical example that, that I'm just sort of thinking of, for a lot of people, that's probably what they would experience if they go in, if you're leading up to an Ironman, but you plan to do a 70.3, six or six or so weeks prior, it's probably what a lot of people just naturally go through. Like you're not going to come out of that 70.3 and be like, all right, straight back into a massive training. Like you'll give yourself a bit of time to recover and that appropriate recovery. So that's kind of probably a similar circumstance. That 70.3 week might be a bit of a semi-training camp week um, in the lead up to that bigger event. Um, sorry to cut you off, but I just thought of no, that no, as like yeah. a practical example rather than, I mean, training, training camps are potentially <laughs> something that might not happen too much this year. But I know a lot of people do that 70.3 race leading into the full or half marathon leading into a marathon, that type of stuff. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say as the next point. So that's perfect. So like when I have someone doing an Ironman, um, if it's about four weeks out, I'll do like an Ironman-specific training week where over the course of generally a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they're doing a full-distance Ironman. So they're going to do a 4K swim on a Friday. They're going to do a proper uh, 180K uh, bike and then maybe like a, a, a 10 or a 20k run off it and then finish the run on the Sunday. So across the entire weekend, they're going to do a full Ironman uh, and that's a big progressive overload. That's a, that's a lot of load for that week. But then we can essentially move into the taper. We have to do the, the normal back to base on the next week, down 10, down 10, and then it's race week, which is a taper anyway. So it's a good way to finish off an, an Ironman block. And that's how I do it for most people with time work. So you can, whether you do a race or whether you're just going to replicate like a full Ironman distance, uh, training weekend um, that would, as you said, that would essentially follow that. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but let's call it, let's call it, let's call it functional overreaching. It's, it's yeah, fun, function, functional overreaching is where it's where it's you're deliberately pushing the the training load strategically to give you a, a positive outcome with the appropriate recovery, and then there's then there's non-functional overreaching, which is where you you don't give the recovery and you end up overtraining and burnt out. So. Um, but like I said, it's a fine line. You, you got to get that. You got to get the recovery piece right post. And if anything, you got to. You almost got to think about having an idea on the side of having a bit too much recovery post something like an overreaching week, um, j- just to make sure that you you're on the positive side of it and you're not going you're not going back to you're not going down the other end of the the continuum, which is more oh, like oh, overtraining 
and then ultimately burnouts at the at the back end of that scale. Yeah, yeah, no, spot on. Um, I think that's it, mate. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think, like, I think, well, from that discussion, I mean, there's a lot of lot of things you can do, but I think for the most part, it's like have a bit of a plan to begin with. It like if you can plan this out from the beginning of preparation, that's that's really ideal um, to to know where you're going to strategically increase fatigue. That's that's all we're doing here is we're just planning our fatigue because ultimately the training part and the fatigue part isn't exactly where you're going to get like it's the it's the stimulus we need to get the adaptation but it, the fatigue itself and and the actual training session isn't where the adaptation is necessarily occurring it's afterwards when we're recovering so if you can strategically plan out where you're going to be fatigued and where you can have appropriate recovery from beginning um have majority of the time really consistent but then deliberately here and there bring in maybe a bit of extra um, i think you're going to be well and truly on the right track to building a pretty effective plan it's, it's the old watering the flower uh, analogy. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I, I used five years ago when we started and we say, look, training's like watering a flower. You, the, the water's a stimulus. You know, water a flower and then you need the sunlight and it needs time just to grow and adapt. It's like same with human physiology. The, the training session is the water. You, you can keep doing training sessions and keep watering the plant, but it's not going to do anything unless you allow the time and the sunlight to recover. So we, we do a training session or a bunch of training sessions we then need to, to recover and, and grow and adapt through that recovery. So that's one thing that hasn't changed over the almost six years we've been going, mate. I'm still using that analogy. And, still there. Uh, that, that in the car engine and we'll, uh, we'll keep going. <laughs> we'll be right. <laughs> All right. But I'll, I'll do a summary, but we covered a lot. So just yeah. go back and listen to the episode again if you need to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but basically much. we're saying, um, you know, changing from week to week, you know, increasing running load, decreasing cycling load and, and changing that focus is, is okay, but it's, it's best done over a, a prolonged period of time because our adaptations are specific. Um, uh, different types of periodization. Traditionally, it's sort of two up, one down, three up, one down, but you might do a strategic um, functional overreaching session where you do a training camp or you do an Ironman specific week where you do a lot of load, but then you have to back that off by doing next three, two or three weeks of reduced load to allow for proper recovery. So um, hopefully you found that useful. Keep sending through your podcast topics to nick at metsperformance.com or through our Instagram page, and we'll see you on the next one. Hey, podcast, Nick from Mets here. Hopefully you enjoyed another great episode of the Physiology Secrets podcast. If you want to keep up to date with any future episodes we produce, other content we create here, or just anything that's happening in the lab here in general, be sure to click the link below. Sign up to our weekly updates. We're going to receive some absolute gold in terms of what's happening in the lab, what are we seeing and observing, and also some of our old content as well that you might have missed to further understand the science behind endurance performance. So if you are interested, make sure you do click the link below, sign up for those weekly updates, and head over to our social media as well. Follow us along at Instagram, at Mets Performance. Head over to Facebook. We have a great YouTube channel as well. Be sure to check out all of our great content that is already up there, but also some of the great stuff that is coming soon. Thanks again. Be sure to share the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed another episode and we'll see you in the next one.